This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. My studies and reading and meditation have led me to conclude that there are really four pillars on which uh, life in the kingdom is built. Now notice I didn't say religion, I didn't say Christianity or anything like that. I said life in the kingdom, which we also know as the way. That's a that's a term that I've heard some of you using around here and it's pretty pretty exciting that you've picked that up and you've started to talk about uh, your life in Christ as the way because it is a way, it's an action it's uh, living it out day by day. And so I've concluded that it's built on four pillars, and the pillars are the Word and prayer and worship and service. And the thing about all four of these words is that they don't represent just an act that we start and then we finish it, and then maybe we start again and we finish it. Uh, None of those four words are like that. All four words represent lifestyle. And if we don't see this and understand this as lifestyle, then we're not going to fully know or understand or embrace or function in our spot in the way. If we don't understand that to know God's Word, to have God's Word established in us, to continually eat of and feast on and be... Uh, nourished by God's Word is a way of life, a lifestyle, then we're always going to be malnourished. If we don't understand that prayer is a lifestyle, that we are to be prayerful, full of prayer, not that just we, not just that we have prayer sometimes, not just that once in a while we pray, but that we are people who are full of prayer, and it's a lifestyle issue. And then worship is the same way because you and I are supposed to be living, breathing uh, people of worship. Our lives are supposed to be demonstrations of worship constantly. So sometimes we might, if we do a quick personal evaluation, uh, become a little bit disappointed in ourselves Because I can think of things I said last week and I can think of things I did last week that I don't think are very good reflections of worship to my God and my Father. How about you? But worship is a lifestyle so that when I'm doing business, when I'm working on my job, when I'm uh, hanging out with my family, when I'm conducting my finances, whatever it is that I'm doing, I do that and it is, it pours out of me as worship unto God because I am a child of God. And then service, and sometimes it's hard to separate out worship from service because at the end of the day, they're the same thing. Yeah, I used to struggle with the verse in Romans that says that we should present ourselves to God as living sacrifices, which is our, and one translation of the Bible says, which is our uh, reasonable service. And another version says it's our spiritual act of worship. I'm like, well, which is it? 
because those two things on the surface sound very different. So I kept asking, which is it, which is it? And finally, one day, the, the Lord gave me the answer, and the answer is yes, it is, both. Because they're the same thing. Your life of service is a life of worship. Service is worship. So that if you feed the hungry, you clothe the naked, you give the thirsty drink, you build homes for the homeless... Those are not only acts of service, they're also acts of worship, okay? So these are the four pillars, and the pillar that we've been talking about for uh, a few weeks now is the pillar of prayer, and we're going to continue on with that today. So the first prayer we're going to put up on the screen just for a quick review is going to be the prayer from Matthew chapter 6 that we know as the Lord's Prayer. And just, just to remind us one more time, this is not a formula for prayer. This is not the only way. You don't, you, when you pray, you don't have to just use these exact words every time you pray. This is not the recipe with exact ingredients thrown in, and you need to make sure that every time you pray... You pray like this and you include all of these elements in the recipe. Jesus' point with this prayer was, when you pray, your prayers need to include something or some things that are in this prayer. If you get outside of that, then your prayer life is not going to be effective. It's not going to be what it should be. But I may pray, and we're going to use some prayer examples here in a minute to show you that I'm not making this stuff up. It's actually in the Bible. This is actually God's Word we're talking about. When we pray, it may be a one-sentence prayer. It may not even be a complete sentence. It may just be a three- or four-word phrase that we pray. Remember the prayer, help me Jesus, that we talk about it here from time to time? That's an example. Help me Jesus. The reason that prayer is good is because it follows after one element at least of the prayer that Jesus gave us as a model, not as a formula, but as a model. And that is that we are acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and we are acknowledging He is the only one who has the capacity to manage the war between good and evil that's going on in our lives. Help me, Jesus. I'm not even saying, help Jeff get the job done. I'm saying, Jesus, I need you to step in here and provide what is needed. I need you to step in here and give the answer. I need you to step in here and work out this little bit of your kingdom in my life right now. So he says, this then is how, how you should pray. It's the spirit of the matter. These are things that should be the spirit behind the prayer. First of all, we acknowledge God as being our Father who is in heaven and that His name is holy. We acknowledge His authority. We acknowledge His holiness. We acknowledge who it is we're talking to. 
And then we ask Him for His kingdom to come, His will to be done in us perfectly, just as it's done perfectly in heaven every day. So it takes out my will. It extracts my desires. It completely does away with my definition of what I think my purpose is for living on the earth at this point in time. Completely throws that in the garbage heap and says, God, I want your kingdom and your will to be established in me. Then he says to pray, give us today our daily bread. How important is that prayer? So that when I pray, I don't necessarily have to put it like that. I could say something like, Father, concerning this issue between my wife and me, I'm asking that just the right daily bread, perfectly formulated by you according to your word and by your spirit, baked up just like it needs to be to address the situation that we're in, that's the bread I'm asking for. Your bread, not my answer, not my solution, not by my wisdom, not by my might, not by my power, not according to my intelligence, not according to my gifts and talents and abilities, but your bread is the bread that I need. And next he says, and forgive us our debts or sins as we have forgiven those that we're indebted to or, that who, or who are indebted to us or who have sinned against us. And that's a qualifier. Listen, it's a qualifier. If we approach God with sin in our hearts, if we approach God with unforgiveness in our hearts toward those who have sinned against us, we are disqualifying ourselves from the establishment of daily bread and His kingdom and His will. Are you hearing me? These are not my words. There are qualifiers and there are disqualifiers to a person and their prayer life. The only prayer that comes without a qualification, and really it has one, that is that the Spirit draw. But after that, there's no qualification to crying out to God for salvation. After that, every prayer comes with qualifiers and disqualifiers. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is an acknowledgement that the battle is not ours, that we do not have the capacity to wage war with evil. Can't do it. We can keep striving and straining and struggling and trying to make something happen, but there is only one entity, one person ever in the history of the universes who has the capacity to wage war between good and evil. That's why he looked at Eve and Adam and said, listen, do not eat of the fruit of that tree. Because if you do, it's going to open up your eyes and open up your heart to be able to see a war which you don't have the ability to manage. And you're going to jump into it 
and you're going to try to manage it, and you're going to fall flat on your face time after time. They exercised their power of free will and did it anyway, and exactly what God said would happen has happened and continues to happen right up into this minute, and that is that people continue to try to manage the war between good and evil, and we are not able to do it. Those are ingredients that should always be in our prayers, whether it's a short prayer or a long prayer. We have to find something from this prayer in our prayer. The next prayer we're going to go to, and we're going to start looking at these examples <coughs> of prayers from the Bible. Now, these are not all the prayers, of course, but I have grabbed some very, very significant prayers that contain elements from the model prayer that Jesus gave us, and they teach us something. We mentioned this one a couple of weeks ago from John chapter 20. Thomas said to him, and here's his prayer, my Lord and my God. Now, hopefully you're familiar with the story that Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, I, I like to refer to him as Thomas with a question, and I love the guy because I can identify with him. I have lots of questions for God. I think he's okay with that. I think that he likes a searching heart. I think that he likes a curious mind. I think that he loves a spiritual imagination that loves to jump into his word and wonder and run down all sorts of trails and, and allow his spirit to just open up little bits and pieces, a little glimpse of his glory along the way. I think that's okay. Thomas was a man with a question. He raises some questions that cause us to look down on him and call him a doubter. But ultimately, because he questioned, the truth was revealed to him in very uh, dramatic and powerful form. So the other disciples have seen Jesus and they've declared they've seen him. And Thomas says, I will not believe until I've seen the nail prints in his hands and the scar in his side. I can't buy this story until I've witnessed it with my own eyes. So Jesus shows up in a room one day and he addresses Thomas personally. He says, hey you, the man with the question. Here, check this out. Check this out. Okay, I'm here. I'm alive. I'm mixed up in your life. And Thomas looks at him and says, my Lord and my God. Starts with an encounter, yeah? You know, there are people in this room probably that have been in church for many, many years, for a very long time. But it's been a while if, since you've had an encounter with the Lord where He revealed some of His glory to you, where He gave you some sort of a personal, individual revelation. I have to tell you today that it is His will to give you personal and individual revelation. Too many people going to church expecting the preacher to do everything they need done. Don't put that pressure on me. I'll run out of here. I'm, I, you know, in, in the movie Tombstone, uh, 
Um, Doc Holliday says, I'm your huckleberry. Well, in this sense, I'm not your huckleberry. Okay, I'm not here to give you all the personal and individual revelation from God that He has for you. You sit with Him. You listen to Him. You live your life in prayer and communion and in fellowship with Him. You dig into His words and take bites of it and meditate and toss it around. You live in His life. You sit in His seat. You stand in His way. And the Scripture says that you will be blessed. Blessed with what? Blessed with a revelation of who He is. Blessed with a life's tree whose leaves do not wither. Blessed with prosperity, but not in the mixed up, perverted, polluted way we hear it preached these days. The prosperity comes in the form of a revelation of who God is. And what He wants to do in you and through you. My Lord and my God, it's an encounter. See, this wasn't the end of it for Thomas. This, this situation right here was not the conclusion of Thomas's experience with the Lord. It's where we Pentecostals get mixed up sometimes. Is we base our faith on events, on happenings, on flashes and flares. When really discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Day after day after day. And as we walk inside the context of that obedience, He shows us glimpses of who He is and what He's doing and how we can jump in the middle of what He's doing. It wasn't the end of things for Him. It was the beginning of things. Because Thomas had walked with Him. He had heard from Him. He knew He had been killed and now He's brought to a very real a reality of the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. And this is the beginning of something really, really cool. The way. The way that He would live out His life. Because if you study the apostles, you will find that Thomas is among those who gave his life away, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ around the known world and was actually martyred for his efforts. The beginning of something really powerful. And it contains the element of submission to the authority of God. Remember, Jesus said, when you pray, it started out by saying, My Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. And Thomas says, My Lord and my God. The next prayer it's from Luke chapter 1. And this is Mary. She's been visited by an angel and she's been informed that she is to be the mother of the Messiah. And a description has been given to her about how that's going to come to pass because she's a virgin. And once she has heard the explanation of what's about to happen, her response is this. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Another translation says, May it be unto me 
as you have described. That is a very short, but very, very powerful prayer that a lot of us could stand to pray daily. Where, how many of you pray that God will bless you? Yeah, we do that. How many of you pray that God will provide something in your life that you need, whether it's money or healing or uh, mending a relationship or salvation of one of your children, your grandchildren, whatever? Yeah, we pray that, and that's fine. That's good. It's good to pray and ask requests for things like that. It's okay to be specific sometimes in our prayers. But we have to preface our requests for blessings with some things. We should preface our request for answers to questions and for solutions to problems in life with some things. And Mary gives us a great illustration of here of how to preface our prayers when we're asking for God to meet with us and to minister and to answer specific things. And that is to submit ourselves to whatever it is He has planned. Remember, when Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in my life, through my life, perfectly, just like it's done perfectly in heaven every day. She says, I am the Lord's servant. What is it that you want from me? What is it that you want to do in me? What is it that you want my life to be used for to further your plan and your purpose and to establish your glory and your kingdom in the earth? Here I am, the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's a total prayer of submission, of acknowledgement, of surrender. I don't think that Mary just had it anywhere on her radar that she was going to be chosen to carry the Son of God. That she was going to be chosen to be the only woman in the history of humanity ever who gave birth to a child when she'd never been with a man. I don't think she had it on her radar what was about to happen that her name would forever and ever be called as the mother of the Messiah. But she doesn't reject and she doesn't resist and she doesn't argue. She simply says, God, you have a plan. I'm your servant. Do what you need to do with me. I give myself to it. The next prayer is the shortest of all. It's in Matthew chapter 14. It's actually the shortest. It's the shortest prayer in the Bible. And Peter says, and it's actually not on the screen, so I don't know if it's in the next verse. This is the start of it. Come, he said, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And then what we know happens is, Peter looks around and he hears the wind and he sees the waves and he becomes afraid. And he starts to sink and his prayer is, Lord, save me. He cries out. Just like David, always crying out. 
When times are bad, he's crying out. When the waves are crashing, he's crying out. It's another example of how prayer involves surrender. Prayer involves submission. Prayer involves an acknowledgement of God's authority. It's an acknowledgement that God's will is the will we're looking for, that His plan is the one that we're after. Lord, save me. And when he cries out for salvation, it's so symbolic of how we need forgiveness. And it takes us to Jesus' portion in the prayer where he says, when you pray, pray like this, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Give to me your daily bread. I, I, I don't know about you, but listen, there was a time when I responded to a call and went to an altar and prayed a sinner's prayer. I'll, I'll testify today that that was the beginning of my salvation. Now, I've heard lots of people stand up and say, I thank God that He saved me on July the 12th, 1951, in the such and such a church at 7.38 p.m. in the evening, and we were in revival with Reverend J.G. Perry. They can tell you the minute and who was there and what was going on. And I love those kinds of testimonies. You know, because I don't, I don't really take it literally that they, said, that they were saved, period, done with, finished, good to go right there. What I really know and the way I say it for myself is that was the beginning of my salvation. Because I got a confession for you. I got up this morning on Sunday, August the what, 11th, 2019, and realized that at 58 years old and having been walking with the Lord for a very long time now, I needed some more salvation. Does anybody else in the room can identify with that? I, I did not in any way feel like that I had gotten all I needed. I needed some more salvation. There, there are some things in my life that I literally need to be saved from. There are people roaming around in our society right now that are dangerous, that are carrying weapons and they are mentally ill and so they use them for terrible purposes. And I pray that God save me and my family and my loved ones and all of you from that. There are some things I need salvation from. We have some of the craziest politicians and government leaders in our country right now that our country's ever had in its history. I need some salvation from that. I need salvation all the time and in every way from the lies and the tricks and the schemes and the deceitfulness of the enemy who is constantly trying to steal from me and kill me and destroy my purpose in this world. I need to be saved from that. I need some more salvation. David cried out and he said, renew a right spirit within me. That's another dose of salvation. New mercies every morning is another dose of salvation. 
Forgiveness of the sins that I committed yesterday is another dose of salvation. We are perpetually being saved. Forgiveness comes like a steady stream. It just keeps coming. It's just just not a one-time thing and then it's finished. Lord, save me. Save me. And keep on saving me. You know when we'll be ultimately fully and completely saved? When we enter into the next life in His company for all of eternity. Until then, we need some more salvation. The next prayer is from John chapter 17. This is when Jesus Himself is praying. Now, I think that if there's any, any time that we need to really pay attention It's when the Lord Himself is doing something. So this is not just about other people praying. We receive His model prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And now John 17 shows us a time when He is actually praying for people. And He says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Does that remind you of anything? It should remind us of the prayer He gave us as a model when He said, will you deliver me from evil? Will you keep me from temptation? And Jesus Himself is praying to His Father here that same prayer for us. Will you protect them from the evil one? Then he says, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. It's another part of his own model prayer of asking for daily bread because daily bread comes to be ingested inside of us so that it then pushes out what doesn't belong in us. Sanctification is an inside-out process. And it happens when we take Him in and then He changes what's inside and pushes what's wrong out. And then He says, Father, I want those You have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory You have given me because You loved me before the creation of the world. I love that verse. We could stay there for a long time because it takes us to the promise that He gave when He said, I go to prepare a place for You and if I go and prepare a place for You, I'll take you there where you can live with me. That place is inside the heart of the Father. And yes, we do have an eternal hope and an eternal future with heaven as our home, but we do not have to wait until we get there to move into our place that Jesus has provided for us. Father, I want them to be with me. I want them to see my glory on earth as it is in heaven. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, we have a prayer that a while back became very famous. And people wrote books about it, although it's very short. And there are some powerful principles here. It's called the prayer of Jabez. I encourage you to go to 1 Chronicles chapter 4 sometime. And take a look at the context in which this 
prayer is written or prayed. It's interesting. Because you know those spots in the Bible where we're just given a a list of names. And -and so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and came from this tribe and that tribe and the other tribe, and on and on and on. This verse, these two verses set right in the middle of one of those lists. So it's like you, you just have these row after row of names that are extremely hard to pronounce. And then all of a sudden, tucked in the middle of all of that, it says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Remember that. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I give birth to him and I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, here's his prayer. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted him his request. So remember a few minutes ago when I said it's okay to pray a specific prayer and ask God to bless you? Or ask God to answer a particular need to make provision for a need in our lives? It's true. It's proven right here because Jabez prays that prayer. He said, I pray that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. That's pretty cool. I'm going to start praying that prayer every day. Lord, bless me and enlarge my territory. Expand my tent like Isaiah talks about. Lengthen the tent poles like he talks about. Spread out our influence. Give us your blessings so we can give them away. But there's a qualifier. You've seen it already. You've picked it up already, right? Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And that word honor in this context is related to his relationship with God. He cried out to the God of Israel to whom he had submitted his life in honor. He is living a life that is honorable before the God who gave it him to his mother. And Jabez cries out to God as he's living an honorable life and he asks God to bless him and to expand him and to enlarge his territory and to keep him from harm to keep him free from pain. And God answered him and granted his request. Why? Because God loved him and because his life was honorable. Which takes us to the book of James where you have to go if you're going to talk about prayer in the church. Because this is the prayer in James that the church loves. This is the prayer that we did a few minutes ago when we opened the sur- or when we broke during worship and asked people to come up who are having problems or struggles or sicknesses. This is in response to this instruction from the scripture and we love this one. 
Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Those, two, those three verses are chock full of promise. Are they not? I'll heal you if you'll pray. If you're sick, call the elders of the church. Have them anoint you with oil. God brings healing. God answers prayers. God works miracles, right? But there are qualifiers. Back it up, if you will, Katie. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So praise, worship, adoration of God. So qualifiers. Anyone among you sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint with the oil in the name of the Lord. And then go to the next one. And the prayer offered in what? Faith will make the sick person well. Now the faith one, we talk about a good bit. You can hear faith preached on and taught on and wrote about a lot. And I've actually heard people say, your prayer is not being answered because you don't have enough faith. And faith is a qualifier. Of course, you have to have faith. Why come to God and ask Him anything if you don't have faith? Well, your faith is not big enough. It's not enough. And certainly we could all stand to have more faith. It is a qualifier, but we can't leave it there, which we often tend to do. Well, the only reason our prayers are not answered is because we don't have enough faith. Well, we're leaving a bunch of stuff out. Because it goes on to say, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, do what? Confess your sins to one another. Remember Jesus' model prayer? Forgive us of our sins as we do what? Forgive those who have sinned against us. So I want to come to God and I want to ask Him to heal me. But I don't want to forgive that guy who talked bad about me and cost me a promotion at work. So I want to come to God and I want him to ask Him to answer this serious prayer in my life. Serious need going on. But I want to hold on to this bitterness and this resentment about this person who treated my child badly. So I want to come to God and I want Him to heal this disease in my body or in a person I know and love, somebody in my family. But, but I want to hold on to anger and I want to hold on to this grudge. I want to nurture this disease, this poison inside me. I don't want to forgive, but I want God to forgive and I want God to meet my needs. No. The simple answer to that is no. No. 
That's not the way he works. All of these things are equally important as ingredients in prayers that are effective. He finishes up this by saying, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What does a righteous person look like? It looks like a picture drawn out from the words Jesus gave in His model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. A righteous person looks like somebody who is saying, My Father who is in heaven, I submit myself to Your will and Your authority. It is Your name that is holy and nothing good can be done in my life except through You. It looks like a person who is saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, you are the authority, you're the one who knows best. You're the one who has ordered my steps and I submit myself to your will and your purpose. Your kingdom, your will be done in me. It looks like a person who is saying, Father, give me your daily bread because I know it will transform me from the inside out so that I can then live as a righteous person and my light can shine among men in such a way that they will see my good works and glorify you. It looks like a person who is crying out, please forgive me of my sins, but I understand that you're only obligated to forgive me to the extent that I'm willing to forgive any and everybody, even the person who has done the worst evil to me. That's what it looks like. It looks like the person who's crying out and saying, please, Father, the war between evil is up to you. Do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from that evil. And it looks like the person who is giving thanks and praise and worship to the God that they're praying to by saying, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And amen means, so be it. That's prayer, y'all. That's prayer. Straight out of the Word, that's prayer. Coming from the mouths of different people, that's prayer. And the David Psalm is the last one, the one we opened the service with intentionally from Psalm chapter 3. Do we have that one? Yeah. The David Psalm, what a prayer! What a prayer! That before we even read it together, one more time before we leave, let's decide that we're going to read it and include the ingredients from God's recipe for prayer. We're going to know who we're crying out to. We're going to be in hard pursuit of His kingdom and His will. We're going to be sitting ready to eat of His daily bread. We're crying out perpetually for forgiveness of our sins. And we're perpetually forgiving those who've sinned against us. And we're acknowledging that He's the only one who can manage this war that's going on around us. So we let Him have it. I'm not at war with the devil. 
I'm not at war with the devil. God's at war with the devil, and I'm perfectly fine with allowing God to fight that war. So with all that in mind, we say, God, look, enemies past counting. So I called some of you up for prayer. We had people who were battling with sicknesses. We have a family here that's standing in representing a loved one who's facing a medical procedure. Heart issues are major issues, right? We're pressing into the heart of God about his heart issue. But we're doing so, including the ingredients in the formula. We have people who are struggling with depression, with anxiety, with worry, with fear over things that are going on. We have people who are having financial struggles. We have people who are having trouble in relationships. We have people who are grieving over loss or grieving because they really want to reconnect and have relationship with people they love and care about. And all that was broken up a long time ago, but our heart's desire is that it come back together and be healed and it be whole and full. Enemies past counting. Enemies sprouting like mushrooms, mobs of them all around me, roaring their mockery. They're mocking, ha, no help for him from God. But here's the acknowledgement. But you, God, shield me on all sides. You ground my feet. You lift my head high with all my might. I shout up to God. His answer is thunder from the holy mountain. I stretch myself out and I sleep. And then I'm up again, rested tall and steady, fearless before the enemy, the enemy mobs coming at me from all sides. Up, God, my God, help me. Slap their faces, first this cheek, then the other, your fist hard in their teeth. Real help comes from God. Your blessing clothes your people. Your people. The righteous people. The submitted people. The honorable people. The steadfast people. The dependent people. Not the independent people. The dependent people. Totally and in every way dependent on Him. Father, thank You for Your words because that's all we've done today is just break up that bread and toss it out there. And thank You for those who choose to grab it and be nourished by it. Thank You for those who are walking in this process called the way. And more and more are following formulas that you give us for victory and for rest and for peace and for freedom thank you for the examples from scripture that teach us how to walk and live in this way and how to hear from you and how to play out and live out our role in your story and we pray your blessings over your people blessings of peace and power and provision and protection this week every morning Give us a little more salvation, just what we need, daily bread, and forgive us of our sins and challenge our hearts concerning those we have not yet forgiven. And do not lead us into temptation. We depend on you to fight this war against evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
Amen.